The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose program. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez, joining you from Dallas, Texas, which is home base for me. This program is all about helping people more meaningfully and productively connect with their work, and it's an extension of the work that I've been doing in research around meaning in work. It's also a complement to the work that I get to do at Insignium, which is a management consulting firm. I'll get to the program in just a moment, but let me give a big thanks to my media partner and sponsor, Jobbing.com. If you don't know them, they are the leading locally focused job board in the nation, and they're dedicated to helping employers find quality talent in their own backyard and giving job seekers control over their search so they can find work close to home. Great partnership. Thanks, Jobbing.com. For this week's conversation with me again is Mark Phillips, who is a lifetime serial entrepreneur who has created numerous businesses since the age of 10. He created and today operates winetasting.org, among several other ventures. This episode is dedicated to entrepreneurship, and we'll be talking about four kinds of entrepreneurs, business categories and types, and the importance of self-knowledge in deciding the best way you can engage yourself as an entrepreneur. Mark joins us today from Scottsdale, Arizona. Mark, great to have you back. Welcome to Working on Purpose. Good to be back. Yeah, right? We have lots to talk about here. Um, Right. Right, I mean, so I know you've been out of mischief since the last time we spoke. I know because we've just talked about that. You're in good shape, yes? Yes, I'm doing fine. Uh, Things are going well. All right. Well, I, I really wanted to bring you back because I really don't know too many people who can talk about being in business for themselves and truly being an entrepreneur and much better than you can, Mark. So you're kind of like my resident expert. Is that scary or what? I'm happy to uh, fill that role. (laughs) All right. Well, you know, you and I were chatting a bit about what we wanted to give our listeners today. And for this first segment, we were going to talk about four types of entrepreneurs. And so I'd love for you to take that away for us and give us any examples that you can of each one. And just take us into this business of entrepreneurship, these four kinds. What do you know? Yeah, so when I just come up with these categories, copycat is one, dreamer is the second, delusional is the third, and then a successful entrepreneur is a fourth. And the first one is copycat. And I, that's when someone doesn't have really an original idea, but they're just buying someone else's, like a franchise. They might be a franchise owner. They have McDonald's, a Subway, Domino's. So... Someone else has come up with the idea and the format, and this entrepreneur takes it upon themselves to uh, copy what someone else has done. And that may be even just on your own without buying a franchise, because a lot of those take a lot of money to get into. But when I was giving a wine talk at a festival years ago, uh, I was had a little table set up to sell my book and stuff like that. And a few booths away, I saw people just throwing money into the booth, like, you know, lines a mile long. They just had to have this product. And I really couldn't tell what was going on. So many people around the booth. But after the uh, show was over, I went over to the booth and met Andy, who was running the booth. I said, what is going on here? <laughs> People are just throwing money at you. And he had a product that was um, a powdered drink mix. One flavor, kind of like a sangria flavor, and it's mostly sugar and some flavoring. It's really quite simple. And he, uh, and you had wine, you put the powder into a Ziploc bag, he had some wine, he had some water, 
You mix it up inside the bag, you put it into a freezer, and you have a wine slushy. Well, it was around 90 degrees outside. It's often warm here in Arizona, and he had little samples that came out of a slushy machine there, and it's kind of a sweet drink. So it's cold, it's sweet, and people just loved it. And uh, I, I asked him how the business was going. He said it was great, but he didn't like the franchise or the franchisor. And it, it, he didn't get enough leeway to do what he wanted to do. So I said, let's do it together. Let's just quit your thing, Andy, you and me. How hard can it be? Of course, he didn't <laughs> follow up. And so I just went and found a way to make my own wine slushy mix. Uh, and in flavors that were popular, margarita, pina colada, strawberry daiquiri, etc. So I copied his business. But did it better, I had more than one flavor, flavors that people recognized. Uh, I don't want to say the name of the franchise, but uh, their name was nonsensical. It made no sense to anyone. No one knew what it was. So uh, I started doing that and made a killing on it. It was just wonderful. Uh, so that's the situation. If you can find someone around... If you want to become an entrepreneur, find someone that's doing something well, but not well enough, and make the changes to uh, be successful with it. So what I heard there, Mark, was plug and play in some ways. I mean, you made some changes, obviously, but you kind of just, you took something that was already in existence, and you added the whole Mark Phillips approach to it, and you played it. I love the fact that you said, how hard could it be? (laughs) I mean... I could totally see you asking that question and then just flipping it, just as you did. Well, yeah, I mean, that was, you know, that's a a relatively easy product to, we'll say, manufacture. I mean, there are people that, and I found a guy in Florida, after just an internet search, who makes these little powder drink mix, and I, I guess it's really quite popular, and, um, yeah, and you just buy it and go ahead, you know, and off to the races, so... It's just an easy thing that worked out very well, and uh, yeah, that's so. That's one way to go about it. Find a, a, a successful or or some business that you can make better, or if you have the money to buy a franchise, you know, go that route. But uh, taking an existing business and making it better. Okay. The dreamer. Oh, wait, wait, before you go into that one, Mark, I wrote for the benefit okay. of our listeners that are trying to figure out which way they might best plug into this whole thing. Talk about pros and cons, if you would, for copycat. Well, there's less risk. And again, because a copycat is broad enough, when you're buying a franchise, theoretically, there's less risk because a franchisor who you're buying it from has taken all the guesswork out of that. They have a supposedly a successful formula, and if you have the money to get into it, there you go. And they give you the roadmap. They tell you the direction. They tell you what to do. So that's pretty much a plug-and-play. It's really mm-hmm. a pay-and-play, really, in that case, for the franchise. For well, what I and then, with right, me, and then you have the benefit, too, I would think of, in the case of, say, Subway, as you mentioned, a recognized business name, something that people have right. seen, they've been to maybe other locations, there is advertising on the TV or newspaper or radio, right, to support the system as right. well, I'm guessing, yes? Yeah, that, that's true. They take care of everything, basically. I mean, you have to obviously run your franchise well, but they, you know, they help you all along the way. So uh, that's that's probably the least risky way to go about it. Okay. But unfortunately, other than Chick-fil-A, uh, any other franchise that I know of, it costs a lot of money. So there okay. is a, that would be the downside. Do you know that Chick-fil-A only costs $10,000 to get a Chick-fil-A franchise? Okay, interesting. Good to know. Interesting. Yeah, it's uh, so inexpensive, and uh, it's just a great deal. Uh, anyway, so so the least amount of risk is getting the franchise if you have the money to do that. What I did in trying to start from square one, because I knew nothing about powder drink mixes. I mean, I just saw it. I saw he was doing well, and so I had to start from knowing nothing, finding suppliers, finding equipment to make it, 
you know, doing label everything uh, and finding a way to make it work. Uh, but I knew I could be successful because I saw Andy who was successful. And I thought, and I could see in the business model, this isn't a big deal. This isn't too complicated. You get, I just look at his booth. I take some notes. Here's what he has in his booth, a slushy machine, blah, blah, blah. And you get into some festivals and get yep. a booth there, and there you go. So Perfect. Yeah, plug and play, as you say. Okay. Yeah. Well, Dreamer, I'm curious about this one. I think I just met somebody who falls into this category. So Dreamer, what's that one about? I think everyone knows. In fact, many people are listening are probably Dreamers, and you certainly probably know someone who's a Dreamer. But it's one who has ideas but never gets it going. Okay. Yep. I mean, how many times have you heard them say, you know what? I just saw this product, and I had that idea 10 years ago. I wish I would have done it, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. everyone has an idea for a business, almost everyone has some idea for a product, a service, a business. And there's really three options with those people. Either they keep dreaming and never do it. In that case, there's no risk of failure. Uh and it's fun. It's fun to dream about business. It's fun to dream about having a successful business. So I think someone could be happy just dreaming about it. You know, that's fine with me. Uh, two would be to get a coach, someone to guide you through doing something to motivate you to act on your dreams, uh, using the score, you know, the uh, coaches, free coaching there, free help. There's plenty of free help al- around if you want to really start a business. Uh, and if you have the motivation to do it yourself, the third option would be to bring a partner in who's the doer. So you may be the idea person. You don't have the time if you have another job, for instance, and don't want to quit that sure thing. You bring in someone who can be the doer, who knows how to run a business, who can make your idea a success. So... That's the dreamer uh, role there. Okay, um, I have an, an example really quick from 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 one, from this one. I'll share really quick, and I'd love to hear if you do as well from your background or someone you know. But I can tell you, years ago, I partnered up with a, a woman who was very very creative. Mark, she really was creative, and we created an online feedback portal for the human resources community. And she was great at dreaming up all the features and such, and. And I was really good at just getting stuff done. The executor, let's, yeah, that's all wonderful and fine, but how are we going to make this stuff work and who are we going to sell it to and when can we get it up and running? Together, we really made almost a complete human being, almost. Well, right. <laughs> still, it didn't help. In the end, the business still failed. When, of course, we were trying to launch it in 2008 and it required people to be hired to be used. I don't need to say any more about that, right? But Right, right. <laughs> what about you? Do you have an example of your background or someone you know who fits in the dreamer camp? Well, you know, I think you can be several of these, and I'm a dreamer. I have a whole file of ideas, of business ideas that I've never started, that I still would start. I mean, you only can do so many, but I have a zillion of them. And so I dream about that all the time. I come up with new ideas. I think, well, is this one worth doing? How much time will it take? How much money will it take? You know, and so I'm constantly dreaming about that. And I always kind of dream about having uh, like a business warehouse where I sit on the throne. Okay, not a throne. But, you know, I, I, <laughs> I come up with the ideas, and I get people who are doers to do them. Uh-huh. And we split the money. So, I, you know, that, that would be a, such a great thing for me to do, and I never have manifested that yet because I'm, I'm busy with other stuff, but that's kind of a dream of mine because I have so many business ideas that I think would fly. I just need someone to do them. Yeah, I hear you. Um, I'm right. curious, curious next about delusional. I, 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 I hope I, that yeah. – <laughs> what do you say about delusional? Well, and again, well – this can be either prior to starting or once you've started. But prior to starting, people who just don't see the picture clearly, they're delusional. And so they think they have a great idea. And that's what I do. I do some uh, consulting for entrepreneurs, either pre-startup or after they're running their business. I do that quite often. And for the people that are just getting going, they have a great idea. And I say, well, let's look at it. Let's get the numbers down on paper. 
Let's look at your forecast. Let's look at your premise of your business, going through all of that stuff to see if this is really feasible. And a lot of them just don't listen. They don't care what the numbers say. A lot of that delusional stuff happens in multi-level marketing. I don't want to knock the whole business of that, but, you know, they, there's a lot of, I have someone in my complex who's an Amway rep. Again, I'm not knocking Amway in any way, but he is just convinced he will make a zillion dollars selling Amway products. And we've gone through the numbers together. And they aren't even close to getting anywhere what he wants. But he just thinks, if I just, you know, work a little harder, do something. And in the multi-level marketing, they have the examples of people who have been so successful in these very uh, persuasive meetings, et cetera, uh, that keep people believing they can do it. And oftentimes, those folks are delusional. Mm -hmm. And... uh, The other, of course, would be when you're in a business and you are failing and you're just not recognizing it. You're ignoring the numbers. You're not seeing the business properly and you're just going down the tubes and you should bail out. Uh, Although I would not have succeeded in my life if I would have done what I was supposed to do. Because my first business was an utter failure. Mm-hmm. And I was so in debt, and I just kept going, and it became very successful. So um, <laughs> I guess that's the real dilemma with delusional situations or that kind of problem is when, it, when are you delusional and when are you just being optimistic? Yeah. Well, I don't know if we have time to go into the story on that, but I think. Uh, uh, we can maybe after the break, because it's you know it's it would help people understand that. Well, let's do that. Let let's go ahead. I appreciate that immensely, Mark. This is a gentleman who's had other radio experience himself, plenty of it. Thank you very much. So he knows that we're about to go into a break. Let's do that now and get the the story after the break. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Mark Phillips who I like to call a lifetime serial entrepreneur, and he has created and runs today winetasting.org, among many other ventures. We've been talking about four kinds of entrepreneurs. After the break, we'll get that fantastic story where he managed to go into the successful realm and keep with the program. Stay with us. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just joining us, my guest is Mark Phillips, who is a lifetime serial entrepreneur who today is the owner and operator of winetasting.org, among many other ventures. He's also the author of Swallow This, has created and sold his own wine glass, and enjoyed hosting a long-running TV show about wine for years. He joins us today from Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Picking up where we left off before the break, Mark, you were just tantalizing us with your story about your own venture, which sounds like it was somewhere between delusional and successful and somehow tipped its way toward the latter. I'd love to hear the story. What, what is it? Yes, at 28, when I started my first real business, I would say, uh, and 
I use my credit cards uh, to fund most of it. We bought. I, I roped in a buddy of mine to start it with me, and he didn't have much money, so I was kind of the money guy, but didn't have a lot of money, so I used credit cards, borrowed money from my parents who didn't have a lot of money. That was really risky in a way, and found myself in debt probably about $150,000 in a couple of months, and the current sales we were making was probably about $10 a week. <laughs> so there was absolutely no way we were ever going to get in business to make that money back, and I was just getting up every morning and crying. And by the way, it was a limousine business, one of the slimiest businesses you can be in almost. You know, But mm. it, it, it was what we decided to do, and we decided to do that because... Kind of like the copycat business, we saw other limousine companies that weren't providing good customer service. And I told my buddy Dave, we can do that. We can do that better. And again, it's not a big entry to, you know, to lease a couple of cars or so to get in. So we thought that would be a, a good way to go. But we just made some mistakes and everything else. So right there, we probably should have just pulled the plug. Dave, had two of his homes, his only two homes, and his car repossessed in one week when it was so bad. We had no money to even get food. We were completely broke and had no sales to make up all that money we were in debt. And so the smart person, I think, probably would say, you know, we bombed. Let's go get jobs to pay this money back, etc. But I said, no, I, I believe we can do this. And every day I'd put my suit on and wipe the tears away and, and go out with my business cards and try to make sales, try to make contact at hotels for them to give us business when conventions would come to town, whatever. And then it hit. Uh, and in, uh, a few weeks later, I got a call from a hotel person says we got a big contract coming in. It was with the Royal family of Saudi Arabia. You know, the story goes on forever. We got the contract. Somehow we managed to make it happen. And a month and a half later, uh, I had paid off all my debt and we had a quarter million dollars in the bank. And that was a stepping stone for a successful business that I sold. Uh, four years later, and uh, it was it was just worked out really well. So, I guess the tricky thing about that delusional is when do you really quit? And if it was easy to know, if I could say to tell someone, you know, you got to pull the plug here, uh, then maybe I'd even be more successful. But that is really hard to do, and I'm glad I didn't pull the plug. Obviously. And through my delusion that I could actually get business enough to pay all that money off and make it a successful business, it worked out. So, yeah. and I love that story, of course. I know anybody listening, of course, who is hoping to hear a story like that, of course. So would you put that, I mean, obviously that's an example of the successful category that you told me, four types of entrepreneurs. We talked about copycat so far, dreamer, delusional, the fourth one being successful. And obviously I think we can categorize your venture in that. Um, but will you say a little bit more about other ways that people tend to navigate that successful category? I know there's a couple of people well, that have got in mind for a story. Yeah, well, of course. Well, they, they just do it the right way. You know, the, the, the <laughs> yeah. conventional way, I guess. You know, <laughs> where you really plan it out ahead of time. You know, a lot of my ventures, almost everything I've done, I've known nothing about it at all. I didn't know anything about the limousine business. I'd never been in one. I've seen them. I knew nothing about the business. I knew nothing about powder drink mixes. I knew nothing about wine. I didn't know anything about chemistry to make powdered alcohol. I, I don't know a lot about a lot of things, and I'm proud of that. Well, I should be proud of that, maybe. I don't know, but that never stops me from giving it a go if I can justify it. If you can put the numbers on the paper. Now, a lot of these ventures, I didn't do what should have been done. But I work a little bit differently, uh, I think. So I wouldn't uh, suggest other people follow my lead on uh, how to start a business. You know, the proper way is uh, you got to plan it all out ahead of time. you got to really know what you're doing. 
You got to get those business forecasts. You have to make sure your financing's lined up to carry you for at least a year, if not two, so that you have some buffer. You know that, and and know that you'll get cash flow. That's what kills you in business: is the lack of cash flow. Uh, that you know you have a distribution channel. You have to do all that homework. Stuff that I never do when I start a business, it seems. But uh, that's the successful way to do it. And and utilize the free uh, resources, like through the Small Business Administration with their score, with the retired executives, for free advice. That's the way to, to properly start a business. Uh, if you're on your own, or, of course, if you buy a franchise, they will help you be successful. But you have to have someone kind of guiding you, at least being your check and balance to what you do. Otherwise, you're asking for trouble. Okay, great. Thanks, Mark. That's awesome. Well, let's transition next to the second area I wanted to talk about for our listeners. You're really trying to make this very much an educational program today. So the next thing that we wanted to talk about was business categories and business types. And you had said that you look, you tend to see four business categories and two business types. What are they? Yeah, I I think in the business categories, they're home-based businesses, and that could be a, a coach, whether nutritional coach, physical, uh, a physical fitness coach, a web design, realtor, things you do out of your home. Mm-hmm. And then there's the small businesses where you actually have a place, uh, a restaurant, a hair salon. Uh, some business, maybe a plumber or whatever it would be. Where, and then a scalable business, I think we think probably about tech, software, uh, that kind of thing where it can really be scaled on a, uh, to a large scale uh, and that it's really meant to grow. And then, of course, the big businesses that start like a Tesla for instance, I mean, big, big business that has a ton of money. So most of us probably won't be starting a Tesla uh, that where, where a, a ton of upfront money is needed. Uh, uh, but the home-based business, uh, I think, is probably the easiest way, uh, easiest entry uh, to get into that. And, of course, that's why people do the multi-level marketing, the realtor, the you know, a coach of some sort, consulting, you know, selling stuff on eBay, whatever, because it doesn't take a lot of money to do it. And that allows you to get your proof of business, proof of concept, that what you're doing will work. Now, of course, a realtor and a coach that generally has a proof of concept because many people do that, but for you to be able to do it and be successful, you, you just, it, it's an easy way to try out a business. Uh, and it may be just enough to provide you with some secondary income and may not be your primary income. That certainly probably is a smarter way to start with that at least. And then if you can see it going full time, uh, great. Uh, but of course, the downside to that is there, you rarely can sell it. Uh, so you're, there's no real investment in it as long, you have to do it. Another thing too, if you're not, if you sleep, it's not happening a lot of times. Yeah. A lot of these businesses are, you are the one doing it. And if you get sick, you're not going to have income. Well, or Mark, some, that's... something like that. And it also takes a lot of time. Yeah, Forget the vacations. That's uh, how I, mean, I started my business, Mark. I mean, what I mean when I started in 2002, I started working for myself from home because I wanted to work. I had a I, a baby at the time, and it was the easiest access entry level for me to do it. And it took me years to figure out how to sell it, how to service it, and make it work. So I know what you mean by that. I felt like I was going in braille, you know, trying to find my way in the night. You know, not just it being dark, but I also had a blindfold on. It was it was tough. You're right. It really do home-based businesses really provide a full income. That's really rare. Uh, yes, there are some people that do it, but that it, it's a lot tougher. Um, but it does provide some income, and it uh, and it can be successful. 
Uh, and of course, the biggest benefit to low cost of entry. So why not mm-hmm. give it a try? Right. And, it, and you may be the lucky one that can make it go. Yeah, took me time, but I finally finally got, finally figured it out. But it was years in the making. So. Mm-hmm. Well, the next one is the small business. Uh, whether you open a restaurant, you know, again a hair salon, some kind of a bigger business where you may have employees at some point, uh, or even right off the get-go. Um, you know, most of these small businesses are barely profitable. So there's a much bigger risk involved. And you know how often restaurants fail and yep. all kinds of businesses fail. It's, it's, a, it's tough, you know. So the, but it also can be more successful. Once you have employees involved, theoretically more work can get done and you're making money off those employees. You're, they're, they're able to do things to make even more money than you could just on your own. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, the downside, of course, is you need more money and uh, to start one of those. And um, it's a lot of work still. I mean, not really any business uh, will be a lot of work, and, and people have to understand that. Uh, but the money is what is a, a, the problem for a lot of people there. Um, and uh, But that's where the franchises come in. And, you know, I mean, if you're trying to start your own restaurant, unless you've been in the business for a long time, you have to have experience in one of these things to do a small business. You just It'd be hard to go into that as the idea person and hire doers, but it can be done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it's takes a lot of money, and they're rarely very profitable. It takes okay. some time to make, make them go. All right. Well, what about the scalable business? Well, the scalable, uh, <clears throat> of course, is where you're doing something that can be very popular, whether it's in IT, whether it's like a shark tank almost type of thing, where they, they see the, shark, the sharks are really only interested in businesses that can be scalable where they can make money, where a lot of money can be made to, be, to grow big enough. Uh, they're not interested in home business. In fact, a lot of presenters on Shark Tank get shooed away because they'll say this isn't a business yet. Uh, they haven't proved their concept, et cetera. But uh, anyone that wants to invest in something, it has to be scalable. And that's where the, many people can buy it or people can – the repeat users, the Dollar Shave Club is an example of that. The subscription-based businesses have been very popular the past couple of years. Uh, so, um, again, that I think that is a very interesting uh, category uh, because you can get into it for very little money. A lot of these Shark Tank presenters haven't put a lot of money into the business, uh, but you'll need funding eventually because you can't grow without money. Mm-hmm. So it, it's kind of a, a, I think it's kind of an advantage over a small business. Small businesses usually aren't scalable. Clearly a restaurant starts as one unit and they can have a chain of restaurants. But again, that's, that's not normal. Uh, those are the exceptions to the rule. Uh, so you're really, when you get a small business, you're just doing that business and it can grow. Uh, but it would take to grow significantly a long time while a scalable business, you can get in oftentimes with not too much money. But if you get it right, whether you go on Shark Tank or you get funding from other places or bring in uh, investors, uh, it can grow to be a very successful company. And uh, that's all the kind of businesses that I'm looking at. When I go into business now, I want to scalable business. Uh, anything else, it's just so much work with so little payoff. Uh, I, so I'm always looking, and anyone, like the Sharks, anyone wants a scalable business. So that's kind of the thinking that uh, I'm always looking at. Okay. Well, we have just big business left, and maybe it makes sense to chat more about that about that over after the break. Um, obviously, like you say, tons of money up front. So if you've been left a million bucks by your parents, you know, or something like that, maybe that's an option. But let's go ahead and grab our break real quick, and you can talk more about that afterwards, Mark. 
I'm your host, okay. Denise Cortez. We've been on the air with Mark Phillips, a lifetime serial entrepreneur who created and runs today winetasting.org, among many other ventures. After the break, we'll hear more about that fourth kind of business category, as well as business types, and a bit more about knowing yourself as a person in terms of entering the entrepreneurship realm. Stay with us. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us and welcome back to Working on Purpose. If you're just tuning in, my guest is Mark Phillips, who is a lifetime serial entrepreneur who today is the owner and operator of winetasting.org, among many other ventures, I like to say. He's also the author of Swallow This, has created and sold his own wine glass, and enjoyed hosting a long-running TV show about wine. Today, he joins us from Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We were just finishing the the four kinds of business categories before the break, Mark, and just chatting a bit about big business. Anything else you want to want to tell us about big yeah. business? Obviously, not much to say about that. That's usually out of the uh, purview of most uh, people. So it's just you know a lot of money, but you know it's just, it's just a, a different world. So I, I think for the sake of this discussion, we'll just say that to, to, to give it the fourth category, but uh, again, that's just a whole different ballgame. Okay. Well, then let's talk about, you mentioned there were two business types. Yeah, I have uh, the middleman, uh, I have middleman in manufacturing. So um, I think the middleman is a very interesting way to go about business. Um, you know, I got my first taste of that when I was 10 years old. And had my first little business when my neighbor threw out a TV, and I just couldn't see that thing being thrown away. So I, uh, and I knew I had a TV repair place on my paper route, route, if you will. And so I uh, asked the uh, neighbor if I could have the TV that he's throwing away. And then I went to the TV repair place and asked them how much does it cost to repair that TV. He says ten bucks. I go back to my neighbor and say, "Hey, what if I can fix your TV for twenty bucks?" But he's up for that, and he says, "Yeah." Well, there we go. I didn't do anything. I just found a person to, and then I hung out my shingle basically in the neighborhood as a TV repair kid. And I repaired a lot of TVs. I thought, oh, how cute, a 10-year-old kid that can fix TVs. When all I was doing was just taking their TV, the TV repair place, marking it up, and giving it back to them. Anyone can do that. You could, I don't know anything about interior design. In fact, if you looked at my home, it, you know, it's almost pathetic from a design perspective. But I could hang a shingle out tomorrow to say I'm an interior designer because I would just find interior designers who don't know how to market themselves very well, and I'll market themselves, market them for themselves. You know, I'll, I'll do the marketing, I'll get the clients, and then I'll have them as the employees being running my interior design business. I know how to run a business. I just only think about interior design. So if you have some business acumen, you theoretically can go into any business. 
if you just can find the people, plumbing, you know, uh, anything, uh, hair salon, if you can believe that you can market something properly and do better than the competition, you're just the middleman uh, or the marketing person in that case. And I think it's a great way to get into business in, with that model uh, because it can be, again, a very little uh, cost of entry uh, and um, you can get into any type of business. Now, ideally, you should know something about the business you're going into, but not all the time. That's what investors do. They know how to invest in a business or run a business, and they just find the expertise to actually fulfill the needs of the customers. So what are, I see here, I've taken a couple notes, I'm going to let you say, what are a couple of well-recognized businesses that operate in this middleman fashion? Well, of course, Airbnb, they don't do anything. Mm -hmm. All they do is put people together. Mm -hmm. Uber, of course, putting people together. Uber, yeah. So that is, they have the expertise of marketing and, of course, the technology that's required to make a business like that work. But not all of that has to be high technology. It can be just like my TV repair business at age 10. It can be very simple. Uh, it can be the, you know, a, a dog walking service. It could be anything where people have needs and you're putting together with people who can satisfy those needs. So, of course, uh, the Uber, Airbnb type uh, are the classic examples of those. Okay. All right. You're and then manufacturing, of course, is, okay. is a different ball game because... You know, I always get scared of businesses, and this is just my thing. Uh, it, no one else should be scared, but I'm always scared of inventory. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two things that scare me in a business is labor and inventory. Mm-hmm. And if I can do businesses avoiding those two things, I'm happy. You know, that's, <laughs> that's kind of what drives me. Uh, and so when you're manufacturing, you have both of those cursed things. Uh, is you know you have to get a a facility. You have inventory and and all the, and, and labor that labor that doesn't do the job right. That doesn't show up. That all that stuff. But um, that is what so many businesses do. That is not my temperament. That's not what I want. Which might be the segue. Yeah, into knowing that's... what you should be doing. Yeah, and uh, what you don't want to do. Because yeah. uh, while that's successful for many people in the manufacturing or producing a product to sell, uh, that is not my thing to do. Well, and Mark, that was gorgeous, of course, right? I mean, and it's a perfect way because the last little bit here that we have time together for the show is that bit that we, we mentioned at the beginning about knowing ourselves and what are we best suited for. So I'd love to have you talk through. You had a few points you were going to talk through about knowing who you are and having uh, a good grasp on that to be able to make your decision as to how you're going to engage as an entrepreneur. Right. And I mean, I know, as I mentioned, that I know what I don't want to do. I don't care how much money I can make off that. And, that's, and I really believe that. Money is not going to motivate me ever. Once you have a good quality of life, you feel good getting up in the morning. You're happy. You're energetic. You're optimistic. You're ready to go on some kind of project. Nothing's worse than to have to go to a job or even your own business that you don't want to do. And so when I created Powdered Alcohol, uh, I was very fortunate to be able to do that. But that is a product that requires a facility and lots of labor to manufacture that. And that's just not something that I was going to get involved with. So that is being handled a different way. So I came up with the idea there, but even even as good as an idea as that is, uh, I am not going to get involved in the day-to-day operations because I would be so depressed, uh, and, and just, uh, I hate my life doing that, even though I'd be making a ton of money. So I think we need to know yourself. One, what do you enjoy doing? Uh, Do you like to work? You know, a lot of times women, and I don't mean to stereotype this, but I guess I am kind of, a lot of women that I've spoken to don't want to 
have a home-based business because they love being in a social setting or in an office setting mm-hmm. where there are people. I'm, I'm helping one person right now who is an education consultant. She loves the business, but she just doesn't like to work alone. She wants to find a place for herself with other people, a team, uh, and ideally at an office versus a, a virtual team. So you have to know what you want. Do you want to work by yourself? Is that the best way for you to work? Or do you want to have a social environment in an office? Uh, and so you know, I'm a solo kind of guy. What are you, Lisa? Are you, I guess you, you're a woman. You're solo. Yeah, I have been solo, but, um, you know, I guess what are, where I've been able to get around that is I do collaborate with people, especially when I feel like I want more challenge or I'm going to get the opportunity at a bigger project than I can handle on my own, and then I engage others. But I have primarily been solo. Yeah. Well, I don't mean at all. I think I, it may come across that I'm implying that women are more social and men might be solo, and I don't mean that at all. I'm not trying to make any No, no, I got you. I'm with you. Right, but it's just you have to know yourself, whatever you want, and that's what's going to make you happy. And, if, and you got to avoid those situations where you're not that type. Um, some people aren't, know nothing about money, and they don't want to know. They're bad with numbers. Well, if you're going to start a business, you have to know, you have to have someone that knows numbers, you know, so you don't want to be bogged down in your business by spending hours a day doing the books or working the numbers when that's no, not yeah. your talent yeah. or your desire. you yeah. got to farm that out. So, again, you have to know what you love to do. Do you love to sell? I love to sell. I love closing the deal. So I always want to try to find something where I, I mean, cold calling is my favorite thing to do. Wow. Uh, just to go meet a stranger and say, hey, how about this? <laughs> uh, and uh, so... Again, and then, so it depends on, are you the idea person? Are you the numbers person? I know as a single, as an entrepreneur, just you, you wear a lot of different hats. Uh, And that can be done, but at some point you have to kind of farm out the things that you don't either want to do or that you're not very good at so you can focus on building the business on things that are your strong suit. So uh, clearly, again, knowing yourself, you really got to take that inventory of what you prefer. And, of course, and are, you, are you cautious? Are you risk-averse? Uh, some of those businesses wouldn't be good that we talked about uh, if you don't want to, like, take a gamble with your money, especially as you get older. And you don't have much, if you fail, you don't have really much of a chance to rebound. So you have to see how risk-averse you are uh, to choosing what kind of business you want to go into. Um, And some people are lifers. I mean, they're just not really driven by success per se. They just love coming up with new ideas. And maybe none of them really are very successful ever. But the joy to them is just, coming up with ideas, and I'm, I'm like that in a lot of ways. I really don't care if I'm making a ton of money. I, just, I have so much fun coming up with new ideas. So, again, you have to see where you are financially. Can, can you afford to do that? Do you want to do that? Or maybe you're the doer. Uh, you know, again, you're not an entrepreneur. You're not an idea person, per se. Then you need to go find the idea person. You need to find the person with the ideas and you can manage their business for them. And a lot of, I mean, how many times you heard about the chef who knows nothing about business or, you know, so-and-so knows nothing about business, but they know something about this thing. Uh, And we, or those type of people need managers. They need a doer. And if, if, that, that's a great way for someone to get into business is if you can find someone to tag team with, as you mentioned that you did, to mm-hmm. be a complete person. Uh, find someone to compliment you. Uh, and I guess, of course, to see how much you want to work, too. Um, 
at some point in your life, you're going to realize that life's not about the number of hours you spend at work, no matter how much money you make. And that, you know, you just need your free time. You have to have some free time. So you got to find a business, a job, whatever it is that will afford you the freedom to do what you want to do. And maybe you have to cut back on some of the luxuries that you would want, you think you might want life. But a lot of people realize down the road that a lot of these material possessions that people work for are really not that important compared to having free time and their health, uh, both physical and emotional health. So that's kind of a quick overview of kind of the points one should consider, I think, when thinking about either a new business or the job that they're doing. Beautiful, Mark. Absolutely beautiful. And, you know, one thing I will say uh, for listeners who, who understand a little bit about my story, I had, I've recently, like in the last three months, joined Insignium, which is a management consulting company. And the reason I did that, Mark, is because I felt, one, that I was tired of working by myself, for myself, and doing everything alone. And, two, that I had pretty much reached the ceiling of how far I could grow as a human being and as a professional. And I wanted to plug into something bigger than me. And that's exactly what's happened. So, um, for me, that's I'd spent 12 years as an entrepreneur and elected to move on to more of a of a of a of a job kind of a role, and it's been great gobs of fun. So for me, it was time to make that transition. Right, and whether it's a for for a job or for being an entrepreneur, uh, the key is for you to be happy. That's it. And uh, that's so it. whatever you need to do to make that happen, that's what you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, and I wanted to have you on the show, Mark, because I get so many people who inquire with me about business and how do I develop my business, how do I get into business, how do I take this new idea and make it a business. And so when you and I chatted last time, I thought, you know what, let's just do a special segment just on entrepreneurship, and I, I know just the guy to bring on to talk about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's you, well, Mark. Well, I so. love, nothing, nothing makes me happy to see someone first happy with whatever they're doing, their job or business, but also to help people realize their dreams in starting a business. And I love to, uh, you know, help people do that. Well, you certainly imparted a lot of knowledge today. Very, very much appreciate you joining me. I love, of course, your energy, your wit, your humor, and I am a big fan of your creativity and all you've been able to accomplish in your entrepreneurial activities. So thanks for being my guest again, Mark. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So if you want to learn more about this amazing human being, Mark Phillips, go into one of his many websites, winetasting.org. You'll learn a lot more about him and his background and what he's doing currently in that venture. Great conversation, conversationalist, great subject matter expert in the world of entrepreneurship and business. Thanks for joining us. And I'll see the rest of you next week. Remember, work is at least one-third of our life, so let's work on purpose. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.